0: Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for Product Managers, Leaders, and Innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Are you taking steps to make yourself more valuable to your organization or the next organization that you want to work with? Arguably, all the topics that we address on this podcast are about career development, helping you improve in product management and innovation. However, occasionally we focus on the topic head-on. And with the impact of the pandemic on organizations, sometimes creating opportunities and other times creating hardships, now is an important time to discuss making yourself highly employable, or as our guest says, forever employable. What is interesting is that our guest is now offering career advice after becoming known as the agile product guy who helps organizations build better products. You may know him from his past books, including Lean UX, Lean versus Agile versus Design Thinking, and Sense and Respond. His name is Jeff Gotthelf, and as a product guy, he will give you the five activities for being forever employable. Also, remember, if you hear something that you want to go back to, we take detailed notes for you. That is also a great way to share this episode with others. Along with that, you'll find a link in those notes to an action guide. And the action guide is a simple one-page PDF that helps you put these concepts into action. We make it as easy as we can for you. You'll find all those great resources at theeverydayinnovator.com 297. Now let's talk with Jeff. Jeff, thank you so much for joining the Everyday Innovators.
1: Uh, it's my pleasure to be here, Chad. Thanks so much for having me on the show.
0: So I love your experience. You have dived deeply into UX and helping people with UX design, as well as applying Agile to product work and helping product teams from an Agile perspective. And that's what you're known as, right? The UX guy and the Agile product guy. Yeah. And yet, you your most recent book is providing career advice. How did that happen?
1: Yes. That's a great question. Something I've been, I've been uh, thinking about a lot. I thought about it a lot before I actually wrote the book. But the interesting thing is that over the last 12, 13 years or so, I have built a career of consulting, writing, speaking, teaching, training, coaching, those, t- those types of things. Um, writing, I didn't say that already and almost almost invariably on a weekly basis i get some kind of request from somebody to say hey how did you build that career mm. or how did you get a book deal or how did you do this or how did you do that and i've been getting that inbound information inbound feedback from from my audience for years now and to me as as someone who literally wrote a book called sense and respond right so i'm sensing this feedback from the market which is what i teach teams to do anyway And at some point, I realized that I would have to respond to this, given the amount of inbound demand uh, that was coming in. And I decided that I would write a book about it. First, I was going to maybe write a, a, a short article or a blog post, but I decided to make it a book. And what I realized as I began to write things down, how I built this career, what I've learned, how I've done it, what became clear to me is that this was not as big of a departure, not as big of a left turn from lean UX, sense and respond, lean agile design thinking, all that stuff that I, I've been doing for a while, as I had thought, yes, the, the focal point and the subject matter is different. We're not talking about products and services. We're talking about careers and, and, and professional development and personal growth, but the tools and techniques... To build that kind of career, to build this kind of platform around yourself, this platform of thought leadership and expertise, are the same exact tools that I that we use to build great digital products and services. And so when you read the book, if you're familiar with my work, there will be elements in it that are familiar to you. We talk about problem statements. We talk about personas. We talk about assumptions and hypotheses and experiments, outcomes, and that type of thing. And so... The book is a response to feedback that I was sensing combined with the product development expertise that I've been developing and sharing over the last dozen years or so.
0: Okay. We are talking in part because it's a very timely topic, right? So given pandemic status and uh, changes in job situation for people, the title of the book is Forever Employable, which I think is a, a catchy title all by itself. And useful to, and if for anyone's seen the video, just held it up, and useful for people thinking about maybe they're in a state of turmoil right now or concerned about what that looks like, and maybe thinking more specifically about how do I structure my career to actually be more valuable and forever employable. So I'd like to hear from you what, how you think about that term, right? Choosing that title and really who you wrote this book for, because from the previous background you shared, I could interpret and say, well, this is just for people that want to create a consulting career. I don't think that's
1: necessarily your intention. So tell us more about that. I do work the way that I teach the work, right? Mm-hmm. So the target persona or primary persona is a mid-career knowledge worker roughly speaking. So if, if you work in an office and you're at least 10 years in, roughly, into your career, that's the primary persona for the book. The interesting thing about it is the, the why Forever Employable and what the concept is, is, again, kind of digging into product thinking and systems thinking as well. Traditionally, career growth, career development, job hunting is a push process, we, we take our resumes, our CVs, our experiences, and we push them out into a job listing or into a company, and we, we, we push ourselves into these positions. I realized on the morning of my 35th birthday that if that's the game that I would have to continue playing for the rest of my career, I was going to start losing that game more and more and more and more for a variety of reasons, not, not the least of which is that as you rise in the corporate ladder, there are fewer and fewer positions. I was becoming increasingly more expensive, and I needed to maintain that level of income. And my skill sets were never going to be as good as they were when I was younger and really working on honing my my actual design skills, for example, or product management skills. Because I was in leadership roles and that and that type of thing, and so there were people who were better than me, faster than me, coming in. And so the book is forever employable. Is designed to give you to, to really. Um, Change the dynamic from pushing ourselves into into roles and opportunities and jobs and job listings, and instead of creating a situation where you're pulling opportunities towards you, right? So, so you're you're creating this pull system where essentially jobs find you. That's the that's the, the subtitle, right? So, how to stop looking for work and let your next job find you, right? Which is, I understand is 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 could could be uh, it's very compelling, right? And. and and so the, the idea here is that if you're a mid-career knowledge worker, and this has, this, and I say knowledge worker because I needed to pick a persona. Sure. But I, I, I do believe that this, like if you're a plumber or a baker or a, I, I I don't know, a doctor. Concepts still apply. Concept absolutely applies, right? This is your opportunity to tell, to, to start to build a platform of recognized expertise of thought leadership around your experience, mm-hmm around the work that you've done, and most importantly, around the unique steps that you took to get to where you are today. And in doing so, in, in sharing generously, respectfully, in giving back to the community, in, in helping others see your path so they can see their path in yours or validate that they're doing the right things or living in the right direction, that begins to, to generate opportunities that come into you.
0: So, there's lots of pieces to kind of this recipe or formula for actually doing this. And so we're going to talk through those. Uh, I'm just curious. This is kind of an aside. Are you a fan of the movie um, Princess Bride?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> because the first title, your first chapter of the book was, in my mind, a reference to that. I think it was, what did you say? Why are we gathered here? Or something like yes. that. Yeah, are we yeah, g- exactly. Yes. Yeah. And there's this classic line, you know, at the wedding scene, we are gathered together. I'm just curious about that. Um, Now (laughs) is the reason. yes. Yes. It's not the reason we're talking. We'll talk more with Jeff in just a minute. I recently heard that was not what I expected. It was much more than just training. We started applying the concepts to our specific work right away. Now that was feedback from a group of product managers that used my rapid product mastery experience, the RPM experience. It's not some form of supercharged training or over the top interactive virtual workshop. It uses a shared facilitation method that I created more than a decade ago, and frankly didn't think much about it until a CEO of a hardware-software company that went through the experience in a group, he called me one day and talked for 30 minutes about how the experience helped him and his company. That caught my attention. The RPM experience creates ownership of what participants learn. It improves collaboration between them and information sharing. And it can also make your product managers or product teams higher performing in the work they do. It was designed from the beginning to be a remote experience. If you want to find out more about it, go to theeverydayinnovator.com slash RPM. Okay, so there is these steps to go through to make yourself forever employable. And I just kind of want to walk through the big topics in the book with you. And you can kind of share that recipe with listeners right now. And if they want more detail, they can get their hands on the book. But kind of, you know, give us this free consulting, if you would, about how do we do this? You start out saying we need to plant a flag. Tell us about that.
1: So planting a flag is, is your d- decision about what slice of your domain or your industry or your expertise you're going to build your platform on. That's, that's planting a flag. And that's, that's what, that's what it means. So if you are a product manager, for example, that's good, but product management is huge, right? So what slice of product management are you going to own? Is it going to be product management for the real estate industry? Is it going to be product leadership? Is it going to be, I don't know, right? Whatever it is, but planting a flag says, this is where, what, what I've decided that I'm going to own, and become the recognized expert on. And especially in a large domain, you really do need to kind of pick a bit of a slice that says, this is the thing that I'm going to own initially.
0: Okay, so the first thing, what are you going to be known as? But then others have to know you for that. So how, how do you get others to know you for that thing you want to be known as?
1: Yeah, and so this is this is where, where the work begins, right? Planting the flag is one thing. That's an exercise, and it might be a little tough. But telling your story is the second step. And telling your story is the process of sharing, wherever, whenever, to whomever, your expertise. This is you participating in the conversation, having a presence in the industry, and giving back what you've known so far. And the interesting thing is that is that not everyone is born a great storyteller. And not everyone finds their exact perfect channel or medium initially. And so this is this is where the experimentation comes in, right? Mm-hmm. So how do I tell my story? How do I best reach my target audience? What am I comfortable doing? Like for example, not everybody's comfortable standing up in front of a group of people and giving a presentation. If that's not you, how else can you get your ideas out there? And there's lots and lots of ways to do that. But the idea is to get good at storytelling and then sharing everything that you've learned through the, through the channels and the mediums that you've chosen to to share through, yeah, it is
0: a reason I do this podcast. In the sense you you included in there, giving back to the community, right? And, and quite frankly, longtime listeners know this started by me traveling around the, the U.S. for a year, interviewing people doing innovation and uh, leading businesses and the like. And then I got I missed that. I, want, I still wanted to scratch that itch. And when I got back home, I started the podcast. Frankly, so I could keep having cool interviews. But I wanted to do it in a way that I could share with others too. So this. This became a good medium for that. I just want to amplify the, the the two concepts we've talked about, right? Planting the flag and telling the story. I remember being in a large organization and a new CEO came in. And <clears throat> it struck me how quickly, in about a day and a half, every time I asked someone, so what do you know about the new CEO? Right? The response was, well, he's really good at transforming organizations and, and helping them improve better. And I asked mm-hmm. the ne- next person, right? well, he's a transformer. He's going to help us improve. And and then, you know, at the end of the day, I ask a colleague, not a manager, well, I, I've heard he's really good at transforming. He's going to help us improve. And I was just struck by every time I asked, you know, in the course of the first 36 hours, always the same response. And I took a lesson away from that of telling of, you know, your story and the context we're talking about, tell your story. It needs to be something that you repeat a lot and you, you become known for, and that's what people repeat for you as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, it, it sticks with you and you become that person, right? Clearly, that CEO had done a really good job of, of telling telling his story. There's a quote I heard, Christina Whitke, my, my my friend and colleague, used to work at LinkedIn. And she said that Jeff Weiner, had this CEO of LinkedIn for a long time, had this, this saying, he said, right about the time you're tired of saying it, that's about the time they start hearing it. Mm. And so, you, yeah, you really do. I mean, look, I've been talking about Lean UX for 12 years, you know, and, and still there are people who are like, oh my God, I just read Lean UX and you're like, really? It's been 12 years, you know? And so, yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely true. And it, it's, 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 it's persistence and consistency mm-hmm. when telling your story. So persistence means that you're, you're going to continue to tell it, even if it feels like you're shouting into the void, because initially you probably will be, right? If, right. if, if no one's ever heard of you. Right. And consistency means you're on topic, right? You're going to, wherever you planted that flag, that's what you're talking about. And and if you can do that, eventually you become that person. In the same way that I'm the Lean UX guy today, right? It's because I talked about Lean UX for years before the book came out. And then of course, since the book has come out as well, right? And that's, that's the key is consistency and persistence. Right.
0: And the planting the flag part, you know, this is a good product management strategy, right? Let's focus on a niche and make it easy for people to be attracted to us because we're very clear about what the value we offer them. And often when we're creating a product, I initially hear some resistance about this idea of trying to really narrowly focus who the product serves and how the product does that. Because they say, well, but we're leaving out people that could benefit from our product. But we're attracted to that clarity and people that are experts in areas, it doesn't mean that you can't do other things as well, but let's cut through the noise and get attention and make it clear where your expertise does lie. And sure, it, it, we're not by any means excluding other things that one might do, right? If, get, get a sec, you're writing a book on career advice now, right? So, but it, it helps people to be drawn to you because of that clarity.
1: And, and focus, right? And that clarity comes and from focus. And it's, and, yeah. and that's really, you know, and that's another challenge when you're building products, Right. We want to put everything in it, right? Yeah. Well, actually, for the first release, right, the first slice, right. Let's focus on the core value here, and let's really focus uh, on this. And if you can focus, I think that's the differentiation, right? If you're looking to sort of rise up above the noise, is is the focal the focus is what really helps? I think you rise up above the noise.
0: Right. Now that is the MVP idea,
1: and uh, provide the core first.
0: Good. Okay. So plant the flag, tell your story. What do we
1: do next? So now comes the scary part, the scary part of because because up until this point, all you have had to do is decide about what your flag is going to be and start sharing some content. Now that content is is starting to generate some new opportunities for you. And so following that new path means that now you've got to lean into some self-confidence and say, you know what, there's a new opportunity here, something I've never been asked to do before. I'm going to give it a shot. Right, and that could be give a talk at a meetup, or attend a conference, or for me, in many ways, the big kind of the big opportunity that ended up presenting itself as I was telling the Lean UX story consistently was a book deal. Right, so these new opportunities show up, and and what the the, the reason why they're scary is because in in many situations. They're going to start to pull you away from the thing that you've been doing up until this point. They're going to pull you in some new directions. And that's going to feel like, well, should I go in that direction? Because I'm not going to be doing the old thing anymore. And that might make me even less viable in the job marketplace. But this is the whole reason that you're doing this, because this is um, when you start to follow these new paths, you start to attract new audiences. You start to reach people in different ways. And that is adding more momentum to the flywheel and driving more even more opportunities towards you. So just kind of to be very specific about this, from, from my experience, I started writing about Lean UX. And then I started giving talks about Lean UX. People started asking about it. Those talks became bigger and bigger. I was sharing and, and the, the opportunities to write for publications that actually had readers came in and, and that that kept going. And that eventually turned into enough speaking gigs to where I kept running into acquisition editors from book publishers, mm-hmm. which is where they go to find the next person assigned for book deals. And I got offered a book deal there, right? So it's, it's following this, this path as the opportunities come up. Now in, t- in chasing down this path, I was doing less design work and I was doing less product right. management work. And that was terrifying for me because my skill set was already starting to atrophy as a leader and as a manager. But this is the whole reason I was building this platform. Was to generate these opportunities, and so I'm going to follow them.
0: Yeah, there, there's some tension there, right? And, and you talk about that it can be be scary at times because when you say yes to something, it means you're saying no to other things. And I had some experiences about this in the last couple of years, and and I don't know why it happened in the last couple of years, but I was having more requests to do work that was outside my normal comfort zone, things I can help with for sure, like couple organizations asking me to help put in place a innovation and, and product management process for them. And I've done lots of the design thinking sort of workshops, but I tend not to do that so much anymore. But some of those came back up. And for me, the th- this was challenging to think through a little bit where I wanted to place my time. And there was a period where I said, I'm just going to say yes to things and see where that goes. And that was helpful for that time. And it provided really interesting opportunities and also at the same time clarity to help me know what I was going to say no to because some things I said yes to I said this was great and now I know I don't want to do that again and I'm going to focus my attention elsewhere.
1: Yeah and look none, none of these things are going to work like, to your point like none of these things are going to work out well not I'm sorry not all of these things are going to work out 100% right some of mm-hmm. these things are just you're going to give it a shot and it's, it's not going to work out. But that's that's the nature of this thing. Is we continue to iterate, we continue to experiment, we continue to learn, and then we double down on the paths that generate uh, better and bigger opportunities.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. I-, I think there's a mindset perspective that goes along with part of this, and you know, kind of having the courage in yourself to step into those new opportunities that might feel a little bit uncomfortable at first, and also being reflective about you know what what does it mean to make your contribution in society however you think about that where can you most maximize your energy and time which is probably a much different conversation to have than right now but it just strikes me that there's this mindset component about how you think through all through all that yep. okay so follow the path let's move on to what comes next
1: so the next thing that happens and really this this is again from my, this is my path so it's my experience but mm-hmm. the next step is teaching. Now, teaching is interesting because if you would have asked me 20 years ago what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I don't believe I've fully grown up just yet, <laughs> I, I never would have said teacher. Not not for financial reasons but or anything like that. I just never saw myself as, as good at it or, or I didn't even know what I would teach. Today, everything that I do is teaching. The, 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 the conversation we're having right now is teaching. Mm-hmm. The, the workshops that I lead are teaching, the coaching that I do is teaching, the speeches uh, that I give are teaching. And for me, this is how you get good at two things. One is at the practice itself. The more that I can teach Lean UX, business agility, product management, right, design thinking, product thinking, those things, the better I get at that work myself. And at the same time, I get better at storytelling. Because every opportunity like this is an opportunity to tell my story, to try a new delivery method, to try a a new way of describing something, a new metaphor, a new joke, something along those lines. And so, The teaching aspect of it really helps you kind of grow your repertoire and get that direct feedback from the market that gives you a sense of where your content is most relevant, where it's lacking, where it needs updating, and that gives you the opportunity to iterate it so you can put even more valuable stuff out there the next time that you're teaching.
0: Right, and that helps you reinforce your story and how people think and know of you as well. And you're providing them value. So I'm providing them value through teaching that grows your re- reputation. So, am I on the right path?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Exactly. You're 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 iteratively improving your product. Right. That's hmm. the, we're talking about your your services, your offerings as a product, a continuous system that you're continuously improving.
0: Excellent. So teaching doing that iterative work, uh, making your content better, adding more value to others. And then where are we now in, in kind of a process for making yourself forever employable?
1: And so the last step is to give it all away. And this is a tough one. And it was tough for me. And it's the last thing that I learned. It's the most recent thing that I've learned. And I had a hard time uh, reconciling it because giving it all away means that all of that hard earned expertise and experience, I'm telling you to give it away to share it for free. And it, it, to me that felt unreasonable <laughs> for the longest time because I've worked hard to gain that experience and that expertise and my my you know experience is valuable. I I want, I want to be paid for that. What I've learned time and time again to my and it continues to surprise me because this is still something that that while I understand it and believe in it it still surprises me that every time I give stuff away my content videos podcasts webinars articles whatever it is right every time you give it away stuff comes back in right you start to generate these new paths and these new opportunities come back in hey jeff i heard you on that podcast and i'd love for you to come on my podcast hey jeff i i saw you give that talk can you come in and give that talk at my company or hey do do you teach workshops about what you talked about like the more that you can make this stuff available and easily accessible and findable, the more traffic you drive to yourself, the bigger the audience, the bigger the platform. If you go to my website today, most of my keynotes are up there for free in video format. You can gather the team in a, in a conference room or, these days, in a virtual conference room, put that video on. You can all watch it together, and there's the presentation. And Yet, I get hired to give those talks all the time, even though they're available for free. So right. Give it all away and wait for it to come back.
0: Yeah, and it's a different experience, right? So that they want you there in person, so that you can interact with their employees, with their audience. And even though you can watch it maybe on YouTube, it's a different experience. It's just like writing the book, and I don't exactly know what your business model's been, but say someone writes the $30 book on UX design, and then maybe they have the $1,200 course on the same material, but it's a different experience for people taking that course, and that's what they're looking for. Okay, so anytime I'm doing an interview, I'm always trying to have the voice of my customer in my head and thinking about things they would resonate with and things they might have objections to. One objection I thought we kind of addressed in the beginning, that was planting the flag. You know, Do I really want to you know, p- pigeonhole myself you know, or, 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 or make it too, too narrow of a thing I'm known for? And I try to address that a little bit. If you want to go back to that, you're welcome to. The other one that just came up is, as you said, this was hard for you. And as knowledge workers, the idea of I'm going to give away what I have worked so hard to learn, to all this great experience and expertise, that is tough to kind of get your hands around. And I I just want to reiterate that a little bit with you. So the, the person that was in your shoes, too, and still struggling with that saying, man, I worked too hard on that. I'm not going to give that away. What would you tell them?
1: To give it all away. Look, you don't have to give everything away, right? So, so start small. Like, if you're not, if you're not comfortable, look, I'm not, I'm not saying write down your 20 years of experience uh, in, in, a, in a series of 10 Medium articles and, and ship it, right? What I'm saying, but, but start small. So, so pick a thing that happened at work over the last month or over the last quarter, something that you worked on, something that you did, something that, that where, where you, 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 know, you helped achieve some kind of an outcome or a goal. And share that story. Scrub it if you have to. If you can't, if you can't give specifics, but just share that story and see what happens. Uh-huh. Right? I-, I guarantee you, you will you will get that story to resonate with folks who are having the same issues, yep. and that will hopefully encourage you to then take the next step, which is to do it again, and again, and again. And over time, you start to build this. Foundational level of content around yourself, so that people know you as the person who keeps sharing about their experience from work. So, so start small, and look for those opportunities. And again, if 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 you want to start even smaller, look for a discussion online that's relevant to what you do, whether it's on LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or wherever wherever you're chatting about this stuff, right. and add a comment. Right. So don't even like don't don't even write an article or don't offer a story, but add a comment that that shares a little bit of your experience to help that conversation move forward a little bit.
0: And I, I do want to say I wholeheartedly agree with this point about, about giving it away. It was also something that was uncomfortable for me in the world of content marketing, as I've been developing my own business, right? go down different marketing paths. I've been trying to learn about a lot over the last several years. There, there's this topic of know, like, and trust is talked about a lot, right? It's like we, you need to get people to know you and then you get people to like you and need get people to trust you. And along with this is this concept of give away your best stuff. And I know the first time I heard that, my reaction was, why would I want to give away my best stuff? And it okay. goes back to exactly what you were saying, which was, that's how people know, like, and trust you, and then they will come back to you for even more, and you can help them in a deeper way. 100%. Okay. So, this is all really good. I I want want to run just a couple minutes late here with you because we are in this very dynamic, changing environment. Most of us have never, certainly haven't seen a pandemic before, all of us, and most of us haven't seen this level of uncertainty and challenges in our environment because of what's going on with COVID, which brings up the issue of future-proofing, and it's a topic you talk about in your books. Just give us some ideas, what can we be doing, thinking about positioning ourselves in a stage of uncertainty to help us future-proof our careers?
1: So to be a little cliche about it, right, the the only thing we, we can be certain of is uncertainty. Sure. <laughs> right. And I know you've heard that before, and everybody's saying it now, and I think it's even more realistic. Look, the process that I've described here is not an overnight process. It's not a silver bullet. It takes time. And so future-proofing your career is putting in this kind of investment the kind that i've been describing here and that i describe in the book because it is by becoming known to your community by becoming valuable to your community by being generous to your community you begin to develop that steady stream of inbound opportunities they could be consulting gigs right but they could be they could be full-time employment gigs mm-hmm. as well right so you might be working comfortably at one company and then another company sees you as a thought leader in the space and they're going to offer you a job somewhere else right so this could be for consulting or for for your next in-house position as well but what you're doing here is you're basically you're you're building awareness of yourself your expertise and you're you're presenting yourself as a generous supporter of the industry and the discipline And what I found is that that's how you future-proof your career because the folks, a lot of folks have been losing their jobs in the pandemic, and it's very sad. The folks who are doing well or relatively well during this quarantine and during the pandemic are the folks who have spent the time to develop these kinds of platforms because the inbound leads where where companies are uh, still spending, still hiring, still, still bringing in consultants, whatever it is, they're going to the people that they know. And so the, the faster that you can, you can become one of the people that they know, the more opportunities come your way, regardless of what's going on, whether it's a pandemic or, uh, you know, a stock market crash or, or, you know, the dot-com bubble, which we lived through. So all kinds of financial crises, that's, that's, that's the people who, who survive and thrive are the people who are known because that's, those are the first people they, they go to. So it's like a sure thing, right?
0: Yep. So we've had a few guests on the podcast that were probably best known for writing blogs, being blog authors about product management related topics, and they, they may have since done other things, including you know starting an organization or uh, right, going on to be an author of a book since then. But when I've asked them, you know, why did you do that or why do you still do that? You know, writing these articles takes a good deal of your time. This is one of the reasons that is usually provided: is you know, it, it just helps people know me, and frankly, it provides me new opportunities opportunities come my way just because I'm out there writing about the work I do. Yep. Pretty straightforward. Yep. Okay. So it doesn't have to be writing, but some way of sharing your knowledge and expertise and helping you get known for that area of expertise. Great. So thanks for taking us through the steps there, starting with, you know, what are you known for planting your flag, telling your story. So we're just repeating that. So you help build that reputation, stay consistent to that path and, you know, see where that leads you to new opportunities Give back in the sense of helping to teach others and again, sharing more information and give away your best stuff, right? You become yep. even better known for, for that area. What is an innovation quote you came to share with us? Listeners know I love quotes. I find them uh, inspirational and I'm curious what you have for us.
1: So I've got two favorites. I'll stick with one though. Uh, Do less more often. I love that innovation quote. In other words, this, this is sort of the mantra of the lean startup movement of continuous learning, continuous improvement, right? So we don't have to do it all right away, do something small, learn from it, and then do something small again and something small again, right? So doing less more often is really the, the high-level recipe for agility, innovation, customer centricity, all of those things.
0: I'm trying to remember which company this was, and it's not coming to me right now. It was on the How I Built It uh, podcast, and just love the stories they talk about, founder stories there. And the company CEO was sharing that in the beginning, they were doing a thousand things in their organization. And it was just driving them into the ground, trying to keep up with these thousand things. And she realized that instead of doing a thousand things... There were like six things we needed to do a thousand times, right? Get really good at those few things. And when I heard that quote, that's what that made me think about, right? Do less more often, get really good at the things that really matter. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I like that. Okay. How can people get their hands on your book? Find out more about the work that you're doing. Obviously you are known as the lean UX person and agile product guy. So where can they go to to get more details on these resources?
1: So, jeffgothealth.com is the easiest way to find me there. So, everything is there and links to the book. The book's are available on Amazon globally. So, mm-hmm. you can just search for Forever Employable on Amazon. Um, please do connect with me on LinkedIn. And, of course, on Twitter, I spend a lot of time there as well. And my username there is Boogie. That's a story for another podcast. <laughs>
0: I was wondering about that. I saw that handle and thought, hmm, there is a story there. Very good. I'll make sure the links are in the show notes. Jeff, thank you so much for your time.
1: My pleasure, Chad. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers become product masters, gaining practical knowledge, influence, and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Find a summary of all the highlights that Jeff shared, along with the action guide, a simple one-page PDF to help you take action now on these concepts at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 297. Keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.